Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Welcome everyone. Today, whether you're joining us in person or you're watching online, also want to say a big hello to the men and women in our correctional ministry out of the Correction Center of Northwest Ohio, or maybe in one of the 400 prisons throughout our nation, or maybe even in the Belize Central Prison in the country of Belize. Man, we're praying for you guys. We're honored to have you a part of our church. So come on, D-Town. Help me welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. So good. Well, today we are in week number three of our series called Brick by Brick, where we've been studying the story in the book of Nehemiah, and we see this incredible example of putting faith in action and and really this call to build God's kingdom and build his church. And, And my hope is today, I've been kind of talking about the last few weeks, I feel like today might be one of the the, the most important message of the entire series. And and my hope is, I've been praying all week, that God would awaken something on the inside of us today. And I I wanna talk to us about fighting for our families and investing in this generation, just as we are going to see Nehemiah do. Now, when I talk about this generation, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, I'm I'm talking about what the the world would call Generation Z or Gen Z. This this would make up anybody who is currently of the ages, between the age of four and 24. This would include our elementary students, our middle school, high school students, college, and young adults. Represents nearly 74 million Americans and one in four people worldwide. How many know this is a large generation of people? I want to share just a couple of statistics uh, to uh, to you today to to help us to understand a little bit why what we're talking about is such a big deal. In fact, statistics say that two out of three of this generation is currently either leaving church or has already left church. 66% of this generation, between 4 and 24, are are, are either leaving church or they've already left church. This generation is twice as likely to become atheists, and only 3% of this generation reads the Bible. This generation spends over four hours a day on their mobile devices, uh, consuming content, a lot of which is not helping them. Can I just say that? It's not helping them be who God has called and created them to be. And those are just a few things I wanted to share today. And obviously, these are not great statistics. Uh, and many of us might say, Houston, we have a problem. But, but I want us to look at it from the other side of the coin and say, church, we have an opportunity. And I want to challenge us today to, to rise up as a church and say, you know what? Not on my watch that have the same attitude and heart that Nehemiah had, that that somebody's got to do something, it might as well be us. 
Now, if you haven't had a chance to be here with us in this series as we've been studying the story and book of Nehemiah, when we're first introduced to Nehemiah, he's a Jew living in Persia, which would be modern-day Iraq, Iran, around uh, that region, and he's a cupbearer to the Persian king, King Artaxerxes. And this was a high-paying, high, highly influential position that Nehemiah had been elevated to. And, and one day he catches wind that things are not going well back home in the city of Jerusalem. The city walls have been destroyed, the, the gates have been burned, and the city is in ruin. I, I want to point out today that this actually gives us a modern-day picture of our country and our world. You see, prophetically, the wall surrounding the city represents systems, values, and traditions that were being destroyed. Family systems, family values, family traditions that were being destroyed. Does that sound familiar to anybody today? And as Nehemiah hears what's happening back home, his heart breaks God, break something in us today with what's happening in the world around us. Break our heart for this generation. And Nehemiah has this God-given passion to go back and rebuild what was destroyed. Now, I want to point out, and I want us to understand that, that what Nehemiah was doing was so much more than just rebuilding a wall. He was restoring what the wall stood for. He was restoring what the wall represented. He was restoring who the wall protected and the, the city the wall surrounded. And then, in fact, as Nehemiah and the people stepped out to, to rebuild and do something for God, as they're faced, they're faced with opposition, which, which, by the way, just a side note, anytime we step out to do something for God, how many of us know we're going to be faced with opposition? The enemy's going to try and come against us. I just want to put that out there so that we're not surprised when it happens. And so, so Nehemiah and the people, they're, they're faced with opposition, and Nehemiah reminds the people why we're doing what we're doing. I want to do that today. I want to remind us why we do what we do. And so let's take a look at it in Scripture. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Nehemiah said, after I looked things over, after I assessed the situation, after I saw what was happening all around me, as I saw the wall, as I saw the systems and the values and the family traditions being torn down all around me. Come on, church. As I assessed the situation, as I saw the, this generation leaving the church, not in their, their word, not knowing who they are and whose they are, as I assessed the situation, I stood up. Something awakened on the inside of me, Nehemiah. Something just rose up on the inside of me, and I, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. In other words, don't, don't be discouraged by the opposition. Don't be discouraged by everything that's happening. Houston, we might have a problem, but church, we have an opportunity. What's he tell them to do? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and then do what? And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. But we're not shrinking back, going on defense, right? Playing defense on our heels. No, we're going on the attack, we're going on the offense. And I want us to know that, that this is whether we have kids or not. 
This is not a parenting message today. This is a body of Christ message that involves every single one of us. We all have a part to play in fighting for this generation. And as we talk about fighting for this generation, after hearing some of those statistics that I shared earlier, I think sometimes we can think, well, that, that's happening somewhere else. Like that's happening in a bigger city and that, that's happening in other places. That's not happening here in our small town of Defiant. That's not happening in our homes. And so I, I just wanted to check to see what is happening in our homes. What is happening with our students? And so I asked our youth team to, to do a survey of our students, our middle school and high school students. And now we had them remain anonymous. We said, don't, don't put your, your name on this. We just, we just wanna know what they're thinking. We just, we just wanna know what they're going through. And so we asked them this question. I wish my parents knew. And we had them fill in the blank. And I just want you to know, I can't show us a lot of them. I can't show us all of the answers today because I, I don't think we could really handle it. They were eye-opening to say the least. I read through them a, a few times this past week and it, it broke my heart. So I can't share all of them with us, but I did want to share just a few of them. And what I want us to see is it isn't out there, church. It's happening right here. These are our kids. Yeah. And so just some of the answers. I wish my parents knew how much I struggle and feel like I can't ask anyone for help. Whew, these are our kids. I, I wish my parents knew that I hate the way I look. I wish my parents knew that I, I feel alone. I, I wish my parents knew how disappointed I am in myself. I wish my parents knew that I regret giving away my purity. I wish my parents knew that uh, I do care and I am trying. I wish my parents knew that sometimes I don't feel good enough. Come on, these are our kids. I wish my parents knew how much I put on a fake smile and pretend everything is okay. This isn't happening somewhere else, church. It's happening right here. These are our kids. I just wanna challenge us today that, that, that we would be a church that would say, you know what, we're gonna rise up, not on our watch, that we'd have that same heart and attitude that, that Nehemiah had, that somebody's, somebody's gotta do something. We gotta do something. It might as well be us, that we would fight for our families our sons and our daughters, that we would fight for this generation. Now, now part of fighting like Nehemiah was he developed a plan. How I many know he had a strategy? He had a plan on how to rebuild the wall. He had a plan on, on how to, to rebuild the gates that were burned. And so part of fighting like Nehemiah is to have a plan and have a strategy and then share that plan and strategy with, with everybody else and then together we can execute the plan. And so I just, I just wanna take a few moments and share with us today what Experience Church's plan is to reach this generation. Now, now we understand that we're not the, the primary spiritual influencer in the life of our, our kids, but we do see ourselves as a major partner with parents and families. Now, some of us might not know what our strategy is, what our plan is. And so I want all of us to be informed on how we're fighting for our families. And so the, the first area that I wanna kinda highlight today is our children's ministry. 
And, and there are basically three things that I would want you to, to know about our children's ministry. That when you check your kids in back uh, into ch children's ministry, we're not just babysitting back there. We're not just giving them some snacks and trying to keep them busy so mom and dad can be in here. I want you to know there's a lot of thought and intentionality that goes into each and every week. Every week there's a lot of thought and intentionality that goes into what happens back in children's ministry. We're not just babysitting. And the first thing they're doing that I want you to know about is, is praise and worship. Now, now, it's, of course, formatted for children. It's on their level. And so they have hand motions, and they're jumping around, and they're learning how to worship God. And also, we're wanting them to experience worship, how worshiping God is fun. It's attractive that they're having a good time while they are doing it. The next thing that we do outside of praise and worship is, is we do small groups. Just like mom and dad go to small groups throughout the week, our kids go to small groups. They just do it on Sunday morning. And so they break off into small groups, and these small groups are age-specific. So the whole heart is that, uh, that kids can share what's going on, and then they can receive discipleship and training. And then finally, the third thing I, I think is important for you to understand and know, and that is that we have age-graded curriculum. That we have curriculum that, that's formatted for their age. It's on their level so that they can understand what's going on. And age-graded curriculum also meaning every week and every year they're learning something new. And the goal is not just for our kids to know the Word of God, but that they would love the Word of God. That they would have a biblical world view. That is our goal. And this is... This is why our consistency as parents is so important, because when we're not here, we're missing lessons. Maybe our kids might, they're missing lessons that they might have needed, because every week's different. They build on each other. They support one another. We're investing in our kids. That's our children's ministry, and I debated on sharing this or not, but I'm just going to go for it, right? Like Tom, Tom Cruise did that one time in that one movie. <laughs> Code Red. I'm going for it, but I just want to kind of get on my soapbox just, just for a moment, just for a hair. But I want to share my heart with you. I want to just pastor us. Like, I get a little concerned when I, when I see four-year-olds and five-year-olds in the auditorium. We love kids. I love kids. I love my kids more than I love your kids. But I love your kids, right? And it's not that they can't be in here. But, but I get concerned as, as a pastor because here's what I realize. This service isn't for them. It's not formatted for them. This service is formatted for 12 years old and up. That's who we're reaching in here. And so when I see a four-year-old or a five-year-old in here, I realize they're, it's, this service isn't for them. It's not on their level. So, so when I'm talking, they're probably not flowing with everything that I'm saying. And so what happens, parents? Come on, we all know. Then it turns into they get bored, and so we give them a device, which they're already on four hours a day anyways, right? We give them snacks to eat. We give them color. You know, color over it. We try and keep them busy. And so I get concerned because then parents start half the message. They're just trying to keep the four-year-old busy and five-year-old busy, right? And, and it just makes me think, are they, are they receiving what God's trying to speak to them today? Are they, are they receiving from the Lord? We're only in here an hour and 15 minutes. Are they getting everything? I don't know what's going on in their world. If, if they're struggling as a parent and as a, as a spouse or fine, I don't know what they need from God today. But are they able to position themselves to receive it? And then we all, we all have, you know, I have kids 
I know when the phone doesn't work and the snacks doesn't work and the coloring doesn't work, then all of a sudden they start being a distraction, not just the parents, but then that section. And then I just start worrying like, like they're not, and then the whole time I'm thinking, but there's a whole entire service that we put so much thought and intentionality over in children's ministry that's formatted on their level where they're praising and worshiping with their peers and they're doing these assignments that, that's trying to help shape the, uh, a biblical worldview. And so I'm just saying, it's in, it's, we're trying to be intentional. There's a plan, church. There's a strategy every single week. And so I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. That's not my heart. I want to pass, I want our kids to encounter Jesus. I want to come alongside families. Come on, we're fighting for our families. We're fighting for this generation. And that's one way we're doing it here. The, the next category I want you to know about is our youth ministry. This is our middle school and high school ministry. And, that there's a thought process and a strategy behind reaching and equipping our youth too. Starting with our youth nights. This, this happens once a month on the second Wednesday of every single month. Man, our, our students gather together in this place and they basically have their own church service. They have worship on their level. There's a, there's a message that's being preached. And, and our hope is that, uh, that they would meet some new friends along the way and they'd have a blast doing it. And so it's a big kind of church service for our youth every second Wednesday of the month. But then the rest of the Wednesdays of the month, we have youth groups. Come on, good old-fashioned youth groups. Come on, let's get back to that ancient path. Right, so at the rest of the Wednesdays, we, the youth meet every single Wednesday in this place. The rest of the Wednesdays, they're having youth group. They, they come in here. They have a little devotional from, from Pastor Aaron. They might play a game. But then they break off into small groups. You see, our youth are in small groups just like our parents. The adults are in small groups. Their small groups just happen on Wednesday. And so they break off into age and gender-specific small groups. Come on, all the parents said amen, right? Like the middle school boys, we lock them back in the back room corner. And we don't let them out for an hour, right? And then the middle school girls are on the other side of the building, protected, right? But we, we separate age and gender. The high school boys in the room, the, the high school girls, why? So that we can take off the mask and say, hey, here's what's really going on in my life. Here's what's really happening. And our youth leaders can, can pour into them and they're studying scripture and they're going through topics. And this happens every single Wednesday in this building. Something else I want you to know about is, is youth camp and youth retreat. Both of these happen once a year. The, the youth camp... It happens in the summer, and we partner with other churches. In fact, the youth camp that happens in the summer, there's about 1,000 students from across our state that come together. It's powerful. Then the youth retreat happens in the fall. It actually is happening here in a few weeks on November 18th and 19th. If you'd like more information about that, you can stop by the Connections area. We have some flyers to give you more information, answer questions that you might have. And then we get around 600 or so, 700 students that come together for our fall retreat. Let me just say this. If you've ever gotten away, if you've ever gotten away and got out of your normal routine and you've positioned and you've postured your heart to receive from heaven, I'm telling you, God does something powerful every single time. I'm a huge believer in youth retreats. I'm a huge believer in youth camps because our students are getting away outside the normal routine and they're getting around other students and they're going after Jesus and they're worshiping God. How many know that's a good thing? So we want to take advantage and be a part of that. And then the, the, the last thing I want to say about our youth is, is we're also, I want you to know, 
we're investing in leadership development. We're putting a greater emphasis on leadership development with our students. I would submit to us, this is what they really need. Like the best way to pastor our youth is not to tell them what not to do. How many know the goal isn't to suppress evil, the goal is to elevate good, church. In fact, one of the ways we're talking about discipling our students is on missions trips. Now, obviously, the world's been a little crazy these past couple of, of years, but we're, we're talking, we're exploring, we're researching right now what that could look like. Maybe we're not going to another country, but how many of us know there's plenty of opportunity right here in our own country? And so maybe we're taking a trip and we're having a little home mission trip in another part. And, and I think just one of the best ways that we can disciple our students is to put them in an environment where they realize the world doesn't revolve around them. When they recognize, man, I, I, have, I have it pretty good. I have it pretty good. There's a lot of people on the planet that are far worse off than I am. I'll never forget, a, a mentor of mine told me how uh, his, his son went on a missions trip several years ago, like a decade ago, and uh, he had been complaining before he went on the missions trip how his Xbox controller was sticking. And so it was messing his gaming up because it just kept the joystick, come on, it's a real problem. And, and it kept sticking. And then he went on a missions trip and got around some kids who didn't have shoes and they played in the street with a 25 cent pop can and they were having way more fun than he was having on his $40 controller and his $300 gaming system and he realized what really mattered in life. And it showed him, wow, I'm blessed. These kids are happy with a soda can and I'm mad and frustrated with a $350 gaming system, right? Just puts them in that, well, man, I am blessed. And, but then also in these missions trips, it allows them to lead. It allows them to be stretched and they're in an environment where, where they have to use their passions and their gifts and they have to remember the word of God and they're, they're making a difference in somebody else's life. How many know that's a great way to disciple our youth? Let them experience that. So we'll talk more about that in the months ahead. But, but that's our youth. And then the last category I want to share with us today is our, our H3 young adults. Now, H3 stands for humble, hungry heart. I'm just saying, there's, there's something happening in our, in our, our young adults ministry. This is for, for those who are 18 to 25, and, and they have a heart. Man, they wrote this mission statement that they have a heart to awaken this generation with heartfelt worship and real community. They wrote that. And so just a couple things on our young adult ministry. The, the first thing would be weekly gatherings. Like every Sunday night at 7 p.m. in the garage, our young adults meet. And I want you to know a lot of the young adults that come to, to H3 don't even attend this church, let alone any church. There's a, there, a half of them don't even go to church, but they'll come to a young adult night where they sit around and worship. The, the worship's led by young adults, and so their peers are leading them in worship. And I'm telling you, their, their worship team is amazing. They led us in a deeper night a, a few months ago and did an incredible job. But, but they lead in worship. They have a time of worship. And then they break out into small groups and they build relationships. They talk about the truth of God's word. And God is doing something powerful in our young adults church. And then the, the next thing I want you to know about our H3 young adults is, is leadership opportunities. One of our goals is to give these young adults opportunities not only to serve but to lead. 
I'm convinced the best way to train and develop the next generation of leaders is to give them opportunities. So this is something we're, we're putting an even greater focus on and giving even more attention to because I just think it's extremely important to the body of Christ. And so those, those are just some, that's our plan, that's our strategy to, to come alongside and, and resource and to fight for this generation. But, but with that said, can I just real quickly, can I give us three things that we should do as the body of Christ, as the church? Three things I'm asking us as the church to do. You ready? All right, the first thing I'm asking us to do is, number one, if you're taking notes, that is pray for this generation. How many of us know there's power in prayer? In fact, I'm standing before you today because the generations above me, my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles and my parents got on their knees and they cried out to heaven for God to do a work in my life. I mean, there's power in prayer that we would, we would pray for this generation. Now, now you might say, well, what, what do I pray? How, how do I pray for this generation? I'm, I'm so glad you asked. So I'll give you three prayers that we can, we can pray for, for our kids and for this generation. But by the way, these are three prayers that I pray over my kids on a consistent basis when I'm dropping them off at school in my own personal prayer time. And, and so whether we have kids or not, I mean, it's not a parenting message. This is a body of Christ message. We're all in this together. First thing we can pray is pray for them to fear God and reverence God. So the fear of God is a term that I think can sometimes get people confused. It doesn't mean to be scared of God, but rather that we would have a reverence and a respect for him, knowing that, that God is the one who is shaping and directing our lives. I mean, he's calling the shots. In fact, I was just talking with a mom this past week who was sharing with me her, her son's struggling and has been struggling for, for quite a while now. And we, we had kind of talked about, uh, she just expressed, man, if he could just humble himself before God. And, and don't get me wrong, I think humility is important. But then I started thinking after we got done talking, actually, I'm not just going to pray that he would humble himself before God. I'm praying that, that he would fear God and reverence God. Because how many of us know a fear of God and a reverence of God brings a humble heart before God? Knowing my place, that he's God and I'm not, right? Psalm 34 verse 11 says, Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. To reverence God. When we fear and reverence God, how many know it brings blessings and favor and peace into our lives? Like the Bible talks over and over about fearing God, and when we do, our lives are blessed. They're better for it. In fact, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is something I pray over my kids all the time, that, that God would give them wisdom that God would give them wisdom in, as they go into school, as they face different situations. I'm not even really praying for God to give them wisdom on their schoolwork. I'm praying for God to give them wisdom as they face peer pressure in different situations and circumstances. God, give them wisdom in those moments. But even greater, I was doing a Bible study with my oldest son, Jace, who's 13. Just this past week, we were studying Joseph. Right when Potiphar's wife was kind of putting the moves on, on Joe. And, and if you remember, his response was to run. But, but if you remember what he said, he said, I'm not, I'm not gonna sin against my God. 
No, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't Potiphar. It, it was, he had a reverence and fear before God. That's what gave him wisdom in that moment to run. And that's what I want for my kids, right? I want to have them wisdom and the fear and reverence for God. And how many of us know we don't, we don't just want our kids to fear and reverence us as parents? That's good, but I'd rather them fear and reverence God. Because they're not around me all the time, but he's around all the time. Come on, somebody. That's the first thing that we can pray is pray for them to fear and reverence God. The second thing that we can pray for is, is pray for them to be surrounded with divine favor. 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 Right? They would find favor. But, but here, I'm constantly praying that over my kids. God, they find favor with you today. Favor with every situation they walk into. And, and, and here's why. Because when they know that God is involved in their lives in a way that they didn't earn or even deserve, it will cause them to love God even more. Parents, you try to do this with your kids when you, when you go on vacations or you get to do fun, fun stuff. I'm always trying to do this. Like, look what God allowed us to do. I'm always trying to point it back to God. Look what God, isn't God awesome, guys? What he allows us to do. Like, we go to Disney World, we're rocking around Magic Kingdom, and I am, I'm the broken record. Man, is this, Jay, is this not cool, what God allows us to do? And then let's go get on this ride. Man, that was the best ride God allowed us to go on this ride. Dad, I get it. Dad, I understand. No, you don't, son. We got favor on our lives. But, but if we can recognize God's goodness, if we can recognize God's hand, if we can recognize God's favor, man, and we realize we didn't earn this and we definitely don't deserve it, how many of us know it causes us to love him even more? Psalms 5 verse 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. I don't know who surely is, but Lord, you bless the righteous. <laughs> she made the book. She must be amazing. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Come on, let's pray this over our, our, our students. Let's pray this over our kids. Let's pray this over this generation. They find favor with their teachers. They find favor with their other students. They find favor with God. That every place that they would go, they would find blessing and know that God's hand is on them. And then the third thing we can pray over this generation is to pray for God to bring them godly friends and influences. You've all heard me say it. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I know this, this isn't just true for us as adults. It's, it's, I want to say it's even more true for our kids, but it's true for all of us. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. If I could just be so bold to to say to us today that we need to pay attention uh, to who our kids are hanging out with. What might be happening, happening over at so-and-so's house and making sure that we're not allowing them to hang around a companion of fools. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, we just have to get good at, at doing temperature checks on the environments that our, our kids are going into. Who are they hanging? I'm constantly assessing when, 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 when my kids have friends over, I'm I'm listening how they talk, what they say, how they talk about their parents, how they talk about their teachers at school, what are they watching on their phones. I'm constantly just hovering over them, making sure I'm just listening. I'm kind of hovering in the background. They don't know. They don't realize how much, but I've just been learning over the years. I got to tune my ear. What's, what's happening? We're driving down the road and they might be joking, but I'm listening to how they joke, 
What are they saying? Are they disrespecting each other? Are they teasing? How are they teasing one another? Are they putting each other down? How I many know I'm just, I'm, I'm a watchman over their lives. I want to make sure they're not hanging around a companion of fools. Why? Because what happens, the Bible says we become a fool. I want them to be around. Because I don't know about you as a parent, man, when, when they're hanging around good influences, God, you know how much it does for me as a parent to know that my kids are hanging around friends who make them better? Friends who are influencing them the right way. Friends, friends who, who are reinforcing what I've been trying to instill in my kids, not undoing it. Yeah. Come on, church, talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and my kids come back and go, you wouldn't believe what they said. And I know, I've been saying that for about 15 years, son. <laughs> but if you want to give credit to Bobby, go ahead. As long as you're getting the truth, right? Yeah. Come on, now I'm preaching. And so the first thing that all of us, I'm asking all of us to do to fight for our families, to fight for this generation is to pray. The second thing I'm asking all of us to do is number two, is to prioritize church. Not only do us as adults need to be in God's house, but our kids desperately need to be in church. And not only that we would all be in church, but that our kids would see us loving God taking notes, worshiping God. They would see us seeking God and investing in knowing God, especially us dads. Can I just say that? Did you know that when it comes to consistently going to church, if, if the mom starts consistently going to church, the, family has an, the rest of the family has an 18% chance of consistently going to church. And if the kids start consistently going to church, maybe they go to a, a youth event or whatever, and they want to start going to church, the rest of the family has a 22% chance of coming to church consistently. But if the dad consistently starts coming to church, the rest of the family has a 94% chance of consistently going to church. Our, our kids need the consistency, the discipline, and the strength of being in God's house. And I'm not, I'm not talking about watching online. Come on, somebody. Praise God for technology when we're on vacation or when we're not feeling good. But it was never meant to replace being in God's house together with other believers. It's never meant that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Well, can I just be honest with this? A lot of our lives are swervingly. We're all over the place, right? We're just trying to keep the thing on the road. Well, how do we do that? How do we hold unswervingly? For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. By what? By not giving up meeting together as some, unfortunately, have got in the habit of doing. And I'm just saying there's a price that's being paid. There's a price for, for not being in the house. And it's not, it's not just about hearing an incredible sermon week after week after week. I mean, come on, somebody. I'm joking, but actually, the greater thing that happens here, I think, on a Sunday morning is but encouraging one another. Church isn't a building. It's a family we belong to, right? It's not a building we go to. It's a family we belong to. And so, so I just want to encourage us as we fight for our families and for this generation, man, that we're going to pray. 
We're going to prioritize being in God's house. And then finally today, the third thing I'm asking all of us to do is, number three, is participate in the development of the younger generation. Somebody's got to do something. It might as well be us. I'm just saying, let, let us not be the church where we, we can't get anybody to go back and minister to our kids in children's ministry. I can't get anybody to, to volunteer in our youth nights. Can, can't get anybody to show up at our young adults. No, come on, not on our watch. We, we know the statistics, 66% of Generation Z is leaving a church, so they've already left it. Let this not be the church where we can't get anybody to even go back and invest in our kids. Right? I know that's a little harsh, but it's also reality. That's not on our watch. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's love on. Let's participate in the development of the younger generation. All of us investing in the younger generation. So if we're 15, if we're in, if we're in youth, how I many we can invest in the children's ministry? We can serve back there, our middle school and our high school. So you can be serving right now in children's ministry. Like we, what, what do we do around here? We worship one, serve one. This is what we do. I want my kids serving. I love seeing my daughter Tessa walk around taking pictures or trying to hold the Rover camera up even though it's too heavy for her. I love that. She's 11, but you can serve. You can use your gifts. Now let's, let's make a difference in the younger generation, right? If we're a young adult, how many know young adults, we can serve in our youth. What, what better, who, who has a greater voice than someone, than a young adult who's been through some stuff? Our middle school and high schools are looking up to the young adults. Man, what, what a better resource than to invest in them, right? Spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers of the house that we can invest in, into our young adults. Because the reality is that all of us are called to develop the younger generation. It's throughout the Bible. I mean, there's a call in our lives to live a generational life. In the, in the book of Titus, it says the older women will teach the younger women in the book, books of Timothy, man, they're all about the older generation developing the younger generation. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. In other words, man, you give what you've received. Pass it down to somebody else. Timothy, Paul's saying, Timothy, take what you've learned and don't just pass it on to to the generation behind you. And you, you might ask, well, how do we do that, Pastor? I'm so glad you did, because there's three ways that we can do that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> See, you thought I had three points? I really have like 16 points. <laughs> when you throw three points within the points, it's powerful. First way we can, we can participate in the development of the younger generation is number one, be an example. Can I just say, this generation doesn't need us to have all the answers. They need us to be an example. They don't need us to have all the answers and to figure everything out. They just need to be an example. What does it look like to be a man of God? Come on. Our students are crying out. What does it look like to be a man of God? I just think one of the, one of the major reasons why so many of Generation Z are leaving the church is because they don't have a godly male example of what it looks like to be a man of God. Masculine, knowing who I am, but I can still lift my hands. I can still shout a hallelujah. I know who I am. I can still weep before the Lord. There's strength in that. Let me show you what a man of God looks like. Oh, come on, our students are crying out for it. It wasn't in my notes. 
But I just think they're watching us. That we'd be an example. They're watching us. The old saying, I used to hate it. Your actions speak louder than your words. <laughs> you cringe. You cringe when you hear that, don't you? Until you realize how much truth it has. And then the, the hard question to ask ourselves is, what, am I, what are my actions saying? What are my actions saying to my kids? You should go to church. You should pray. Yeah, but dad, you don't. I got this, I got this problem I want to confess to you today. I have a hard time wearing my seatbelt. There I said it, okay? There it is. But I'm actually getting a lot better at it because I look back at my little six-year-old guess what he's doing? Not wearing a seatbelt. And they'll say, Brax, put your seatbelt on, son. And you know what he says? But dad, you don't. Do as I say, son, not as I do. That might work for a little bit until he goes off on his own and he's going to revert back to doing what he's been shown. What are our actions speaking? You got to love God. You got to know God. Titus chapter 2, verse 6 through 7 says, Similarly, encourage the young men to be self controlled in everything. Set them an example. They're watching. They're watching. Come on, fellas. They're watching how you treat mom. They're watching. They're watching us. They're watching us how we interact. They're watching us pray. They're watching us read the word. Or they're watching us not do those things. They're watching us go through the motions. All right. Set an example by doing what is good. The second way that we can develop the younger generation is be available for them. The power of presence. Just being available. We have a limited time before the younger generation becomes the older generation. Seems like the older I get, the more that becomes a reality. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. This verse isn't about counting our days, it's about making our days count. And then finally, that we'd be an example, we'd be available, and then finally, that we'd be positive about them. I could sit here for, a, for an entire message, but instead of pointing out all the things they do wrong, now, no, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we don't discipline, I'm not saying that we don't correct, but what if in that correction, what if in that discipline, we would point them to who they could become? This might be what you've done, but that's not who you are. Romans chapter four, verse 17. Abraham is our, our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. What if we would be a church that would call things that are not as though they were? That we would see the potential in this generation, not just their problems. I know that's what you did, but that's not who you are. I'm calling you up. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. I see greatness in you. By the way, isn't that what God says to all of us? I know what you've done, but that's not who you are. 
I'm just calling all of us here at Experience Church to fight for this generation, to fight for our families, to fight for our sons, to fight for our daughters, to say like Nehemiah did, somebody's got to do something. It might as well be me. And if I can encourage us, if there was ever a message that, that if we could just put into action, I'm just saying, let it be this one. Let us fight for a generation. Let's restore what's being torn down. Let's fight for our, our kids. Let's fight so that they could have maybe what we didn't. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you in this place, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your truth, God. We thank you for this call to action. We'd rise up and not just hear your word, God, but we, we would put it into practice. And today we just, we come before you and we recognize the need. We recognize the importance of what we're talking about today. Fighting for our families and fighting for this generation. If you would say today, and you just feel stirred up, if there's a passion, and you know God is, is calling you to, to step out and maybe fight for your family your sons, your daughters. Maybe, maybe it's to fight for this generation, to get involved, start serving in ch children's ministry, investing in our youth, being a spiritual mother or father to our young adults. God's calling you to something. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's to, to serve. Could you just lift your hand to heaven? As a, as a, as a, a sign of God, I, I hear you calling me. God, I pray this moment you would mark us. That we would have a heart that somebody's got to do something. I'll go. I'll go, God. I'll serve our love. And I, as I go, I know you're calling me to higher heights and greater depths. Because I can't give what I don't have. And God, I, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my relationship with you. So that I can have more to give to the generation behind me leaving a legacy, making a mark, impacting the world around us. God, I pray you would bring clarity to us. What's our next step? What are you calling us to do? Where are you calling us to go? Speak, Lord, we're listening. Pray you bring clarity. Holy Spirit, I pray you would lead and guide and direct us that we would follow you into the places you're calling us to go. And brick by brick, we would build your house, build your people, and see you do what only you can do. As we continue praying together today, maybe you're here, and as we talk about giving what we can't give, what we don't have, maybe you would say, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with God, or maybe God's not first in your life. Maybe God's not first. Maybe the first way to fight for your family is to put God first in your own heart. But wherever you're at, if you would say, man, I just want to have a relationship with God, or I walked away from God, I know he's not first, I want to give you an opportunity to say, God, here's my heart what he's always wanted. If that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven? Would you pray this with me right where you're at? Say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin on the cross. God, forgive me of my sin. Show me how to live. My life and my heart is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did today. So good.
Thanks for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.